Come on, everybody. Put your hands together for these guys. So, so, so good. Aren't you grateful for an amazing worship team that we have? Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's actually Christmas Eve Eve, right? It's hard to tell here in Texas. I'm originally from Colorado, and so I have to look at the calendar to know what month it is. It was 80 degrees yesterday, 60 degrees today, but I love it. My family was out canoeing on the river here today, and when can you do that when it's 40 below in Wisconsin, Logan? Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, there's one carol that we have not yet sung here tonight that's one of my favorites. It's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. How many of you like that carol here? We're going to sing it in just a little bit. How many know what that word Emmanuel means? Anybody know what it means? God with us. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Emmanuel means God with us. Can you say this after me? God is. God is. He, was, he was. And he will be, he will be with us. Say it again with me. God is, is, he was, was, he will be be with us. us. Now, how many of you have ever prayed this, God be with me? Have you prayed that before? God be with us. God be with John. God be with Sue. It's one of those prayers that I think is probably one of our go-to prayers is this, this whole idea of God being with us. And so, If you're going on a family vacation, you pray, God, be with us as we're traveling here on vacation and help so our kids don't kill each other in the back seats and we don't kill them on our way on our vacation. Or you're going Christmas shopping at the mall and you pray, God, be with us as we go Christmas shopping at the mall and help us to have the eye for those good, good Christmas deals and to open up a good parking spot so we don't have to walk so far with our presents. Or you're... You, you, you have a date, a blind date, and you pray, God, be with me as I'm on this blind date with this strange guy. Help it so that he is not some wacko, strange stalker type guy. Or you're having your final exams, and you pray, God, be with me as I take my final exam, to which God responds and says, I will be with you, but you should have prayed and you should have studied just a little bit more, right? I think this is one of our our go-to prayers that we do, and I, I think we've all prayed this prayer, God, be with me, but what is it that we're really praying when we say that? Have you ever thought about that? We just kind of throw it out there, God, be with me, God, be with us, God, be with John, God, be with Sue, or whatever the situation is. In Matthew's version of the birth of Jesus, he, he jumps into this conversation that the angel is having with Joseph. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he says, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, this was the announcement that people have been longing to hear century after century after century. And so Matthew is describing and he's, he's enthusiastically announcing what the angel describes here. And then he quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah in verse 22. He says, now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and she shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. 
This is a quote from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which was a prophecy that was spoken over 740 years before this event. Now think about that, because I don't know how that strikes you, but it just boggles my mind, the greatness and the goodness of God. Because almost over seven centuries earlier, the prophet was prophesying that this event would take place, and now it was actually being fulfilled. And so if this was a movie, the music would get very dramatic at this point, leading to this kind of crescendo as the narrator was describing, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, dun, 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 you know? That's how the music would be. It'd be very dramatic here at this point. And the reason why it would be so dramatic is because what he was saying was absolutely, completely impossible. For those who had been, who would have heard this or who were reading this, this was the most earth-shattering news that they could have imagined because at that time, everyone who was hearing this and, and, or, hear, or reading this, they knew that God was absolutely too holy for any human being to approach him. They knew the story of Moses, that when God's presence came, that Moses couldn't actually be there, that God actually had to hide part of his presence with him. They knew that the presence of God would end a person's life to the point that they knew that when the presence of God was in the temple, when it dwelt in the temple there in Jerusalem, in the Holy of Holies, no one could go in there. There was only one man who could go in there, and he only could only do it once a year, the great high priest. And that being said, to go into there, they actually tied a rope around his leg. Because when the high priest went into that holy of holies once a year, and if he didn't do exactly what God had prescribed, when he entered the presence of God, he would immediately die. And so in order to get the body out, they'd have to take the rope and pull him out then out of the temple, out of the Holy of Holies. And so this idea of God coming with us was a radical thing because how could that be possible? How could this holy God actually come to us? But yet suddenly, here in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew records that the angel's telling Joseph, God is going to be with you. And so think about this because what made the shepherds run back into the fields rejoicing. What was it that caused the, the wise men to fall on their knees and to worship there in that stable? It was this fact that God is no longer distant. It's this fact that God is no longer far off. It's, it's this fact that God is not uninvolved in our lives. As a matter of fact, God is not no longer someone who's just kind of watching over us. But what he's describing is, is that, that God is now with us. That was his proclamation here. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made us dwelling among us. I love how um, Eugene Peterson paraphrased this in the message version. He describes it this way. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. For those of you who live in, whether you call it Briarcliff, a lot of people in Briarcliff call it the hood. You know, I've heard Angel Bay described as the hood. It's kind of where, where you live. Let's think about this. God actually moved into your hood. He moved into your neighborhood. That's what's describing here. The problem is, I think, way too many of us today, we just don't believe it. Or we've lost the importance of it. 
or we've just taken it for granted. Some of you are thinking, you know, really, God's with me? I mean, I don't feel him. I don't see him. I'm not getting any tinglys. There's no goosebumps. I mean, I've really, I've really struggled here. And so where is God in all of this that's going on in my life? You know, I think for so many of us, the holidays can be one of the most difficult times of the year. Christmas, as amazing and wonderful it is, can tend to be this big magnifier in our life. And so it tends to magnify all that is good and make it really, really good, but also magnifies the pain and causes the pain to even be more excruciating in our lives. Some of you, you're facing an empty chair this year at your dinner table. Some of you, you, you know you have these relational struggles that you're dealing with and you know things are just not right. Some of you, you've heard some really difficult news and you're wondering, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle this? And so what we're actually saying is, God, where are you in all of this? I don't feel you. I don't see you. God, if you're here, then why in the world is this happening to me? Where is God in all, in all of this? And so God is with me? Huh. I, I, don't, I don't believe it. I don't see it. I don't, I don't think it's true. Some of you, if you were to really be honest with yourself, there's something that you've done that you're really ashamed of. And so you're thinking, God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And so the idea of God with me, right, there's, there's, there's no way. That doesn't even make sense. But here's the thing, everybody. When you understand and when you have a personal revelation of what Christmas is, the miracle of Christmas is that this amazing God, the God of the universe, the all-powerful, all-knowing God is now with you. Right here and right now, he's moved into your neighborhood. He's moved into your house. He's sitting right here with you, even here this evening. And I'm telling you, when you experience that, when you have the revelation, it changes everything. Because when you're lost and you don't know where you're supposed to go, God wants to be with you as your guide. When you feel isolated and alone and, and you're hurting in pain, God wants to be right there with you as your friend. When you're dealing with a difficult situation, God wants to be with you as your comforter. When you're going through some sort of sickness or disease, God wants to be with you as your healer. When you're going through a, a, this issue of weakness, and God wants to be with you as your strength. And when you feel lost in your sin, God wants to be with you as your Savior. Can you say this after me? God, God. is with me. Is say it again. God is with me. But think about this, because not only is God with you right now, he was with you as well. And everything that you've already experienced, he was right there with you. And I don't know how it is with you, but I know this is with me. When I'm going through things, sometimes it's hard to see what's going on, right? It's hard to have perspective. It's kind of like the other day, if you're driving around here in the hill country in the thickness of that fog, you're driving, but you can't see anything. You can't hardly see in front of you or behind your side of you, and you feel like you're, you're driving blind. When you're going through life, sometimes that's exactly how it feels. And so you don't have a good sense of your surroundings 
But every once in a while, when you look in the rear view mirror of your life, now all of a sudden things begin to look a little clearer and you can see the hand of God working in your life when you couldn't see it when you were going through it. I always think about a guy by the name of Joseph in the Old Testament. So not Joseph or the Christmas story, but Joseph in the Old Testament. And he was a guy, even as a young man, um, who had these enormous dreams, this dream, dream about his future. The problem was he was one of 12 sons, and he tended to be the favorite of his father. And so his 11 other brothers really got jealous of him to the point that they wanted him dead. And so they threw him into a pit for him just to die right there in that pit. And then they had a kind of change of mind there. An opportunity came by and they said, let's not leave him there, let's sell him into slavery. And so he was sold into slavery and sent to Egypt. And there in Egypt, you would have thought that that was bad enough, but as he was being a slave in Egypt, he was accused of raping a woman. And he was thrown into prison to rot and die. But it was in that prison that these situations came together, and he found himself then in the palace, second in command to the entire nation of Egypt. Now think about this, because this journey that Joseph was on, can you imagine being Joseph? Because where was God in the middle of all this? Where was God when he was thrown in the pit? Where was God when he was being sold into slavery and and taken all the way to a completely different country, different world? Where was God in all of that? And where was God when he was being accused of raping a woman that he didn't do? Where was God when he was thrown into that prison? But think about this, because if you know the story, it was the pit that became the passage that took him to the prison that opened the door for the palace. And there in the palace, he became the second man in control over the entire nation of Egypt, which was the largest and most powerful nation at that time. And there, literally, Joseph ends up saving millions of people's lives because of a seven-year famine that came, that he had, that he had the interpretation of a dream to prepare a nation and a people for. Think about that. The pit became the passage to the prison that took him to the palace. When we're going through stuff, it's hard to see that perspective, but it's in the rearview mirror that we're able to see the hand of God in our life. And just as God was with Joseph, God has been with you as well. But not only has God been with you, and not only is God with you right now, his promise is that he will be with you as well. No matter what you encounter, no matter what 2019 brings, No matter the uncertainty that you're facing now, his promise is that he will be with you as well. The Apostle Paul, he said like this in Romans 8, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, knowing all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Listen, everybody, nothing, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. God's promise is that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You never have to be alone again. He will never, ever give up on you. Fears can't separate you. Doubts can't separate you. Insecurities can't separate you. Your brokenness, your failures, your mistakes that you've made, they can't separate you. Sickness, disease, heartache can't separate you. What someone else has done to you cannot separate you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus because he was, he is, and he will be with you. In Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, it says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty God. Listen, folks, you may not always see it at the moment. You may not always have an understanding of what's happening right here in this moment of time, but it is written and it's settled, which means there's no doubt about it. God is. He was, and he will be with you. And listen, folks, that's the miracle of Christmas. That's the gift of Christmas that God came to us. God came to you, that he is with you, that he was with you, and he will be with you. The only question then is this. Are you with God? God settled it. He's with you. That already happens, which, by the way, everybody... That makes this prayer, God, please be with me, the silliest prayer that you can ever pray. Because he already is. That would be like me sitting in front of John and say, John, will you be with me? You know, really, John, will you be with me? And John looking at me, I am. I'm standing right here. I'm with you. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we pray, God, be with me, it makes that the silliest prayer because he already is. That's already been settled, everybody. Move on. Find a better prayer. Now that he's with you, what do you want? Now that he's with you, what do you need? Because he's right there with you. He was with you. He is with you. And he will be with you. The only question is, will you be with him? If you would, I want you to just close your eyes here as we finish. Because for some of you, you're at a place where... You really need to know that God is with you. There's difficulties, there's challenges, there's trials, there's pain that you're going through, and you really need to know that God is with you. What's happening in your life doesn't make sense. What's happening in your life is not what you expected. What's happening in your life is, is causing this great pain, but I believe that God wants to show you that he is here, even now. That he is here right now with you. And God being with you, that changes everything. And so can we just pray this out loud here together? Just pray this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for never giving up on me. I've always hoped that you were here. But sometimes... I lose perspective of your faithfulness to me. Thank you for seeking me even when I ignore you. And today, 
I realize that you've been trying to get my attention. Even in the ordinary, you've been trying to get my attention. Even in my successes, you've been trying to get my attention. And even in the difficulties that I've been facing, you've been trying to get my attention. And so today, on this Christmas Eve Eve, I want to open up my life to you. God, replace my confusion with your peace. And would you please replace my uncertainty about the future with your gift of eternal life. I want to cooperate with your plan for my life. And I want to learn to trust you more in every aspect of my life. Trusting that you are here with me right now. And that changes everything. In Jesus' name, amen. This afternoon as we finish, the team's going to lead us back into singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I want to encourage you as you sing these words to let them be your own prayer of your own longing of welcoming then the presence of God. Like I said, God's already settled it. He's with us. He's made that way. That's what the miracle of Christmas is. And now will we make room for him? And so as the team leads us, would you just let that be our prayer? And then as we do this, we're going to have the lighting of the candles. And I'll just start here at the front and let it go back as a visual of what happens when we invite the light of God in our lives. So if you would, please stand to your feet and let's worship here together. Would you just raise your candle up? Taylor, if you turn the stage lights off, please. I always wonder why we only do this once a year, right? I just love, I love how God invades our world and how he surprises us. And so I want to encourage you as you go into 2019, look for him. Look for him. Look for him as you mourn. Look for him in the uncertainty. Look for him in the joys and successes of your life. Look for him when you experience pain and uncertainty because he is with you. He's there. And when the light of God comes into our life, it not only transforms you, it then transforms all around you. Because what was dark now becomes light. And not only do you help yourself through it, but now you can help so many other people as they're surrounded by darkness. And so, Father, as we celebrate this Christmas season on this Christmas Eve Eve, we stop and reflect of your goodness in our lives. We stop and reflect of how you have worked in us this past year 
that you've never given up on us, that you've never forsaken us, that you haven't left us, and that you'll never, ever give up on us. God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the gift that we have in you. May we share that gift every day of our life as we go into this new year. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. If you would extinguish your candle at this point. The ushers are going to collect these on your way out. But everybody, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a great week. God bless you, everybody.